When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. Amequinem Biosa Jr., the Houston rapper known as Max O'Cream, has occupied a specific and vital role in the rap landscape for years. Since his 2015 project Maxo187, Max O'Cream has bridged hip-hop storytelling foundations with contemporary sounds, and in the process, become an uncompromising voice for the streets. Across his albums, stories about murder, gang violence, and drug abuse sit next to tales of mental health issues, family struggles, and intergenerational trauma. What has always separated Maxo from the pack is his authenticity and delivery. His flow is mountainous and matter-of-fact, and his lyrics have a documentary quality to them that makes the images come alive, no matter how big the flex or how deep the pain. For his new album, Weight of the World, Maxo Cream dives deeper into that heartache than ever before. The project was released on Monday, October 18, the anniversary of the death of his cousin Woodrow Cream, and was recorded as Maxo mourned Money Madu, his brother. Maxo does not hide how these tragedies have affected him. In fact, he's used their pressure to make diamonds. Weight of the World explores how the worst aspects of our histories can shape our lives, break us down, and force us to rebuild. It lays bare the cost of grit and resolve, its spoils, and what it can never really bring back. There's music here that will rattle your speakers and shake your spirit, and features from Tyler the Creator, ASAP Rocky, Don Tolliver, and Freddie Gibbs add to the feeling of weight of the world as the sleeper event album in rap for 2021. Last week, The Fader's Jordan Darville spoke with Maxo about growing up in Houston, his fashion line persona, and getting in fights at church. Maxo Cream, thank you for joining us today. You already know. So first off, I have to say uh, I'm sorry for the performance that your Houston Rockets put in against my Toronto Raptors. It's a sorry way to start off this interview, but you know I just have to bring it up. You know the elephant in the room and all that. We ain't tripping up that little wing, man. Yeah, I saw in your uh, local Joker video you got one hell of a jump shot yourself. You think you're gonna try out for the Rockets this year? Uh, nah. I'm gonna chill. I'm gonna let them boys buy how they want to. Now they want to bring you to the street on street ball. Then we can put some money up. All that contract, I, I got to listen to a coach. I got, I came, you know what I'm saying? All that drug test shit, they ain't for me. <laughs> they got that. Are you friends with any uh, professional ball players? Hell yeah. James Harden, that's my boy. You know what I'm saying? We locked in for hell. John Wall, I fuck with John Wall. Motherfucking JaVale McGee. Kevin Durant, you know what I'm saying? We spoke a couple of times. KD fucking my music, but we ain't locked in like that, but I fuck with KD. Is the old saying true that, uh, you know, all ball players want to be rappers and all rappers want to be ball players? Mm, to an extent. I feel like a rapper want to be a hooper once they get on the court. Like, hold on, nigga, we can show you this too now. We can hoop too. We can ball. We do our thing. You know, but it was similar dreams. You know, coming from where we come from, being black, you on the hoop, you on the motherfucking rap you want to be a wrestler you had a, a couple of dreams so i feel like you mm-hmm. know when a 
like if we're wrong the basketball player and they're on the court, we could be like, nigga, we could do this too. And then like, who don't want to rap? Everybody do raps. You know what I'm saying? All black kids can rap. But you didn't want to rap at first, right? You only you only took it serious after after your first jail did, right? Hell yeah. It was like I was trapping, man. You feel me? Mm -hmm. like, I was getting to it. Like I was having my own money, but and like I was already popular. Like all the niggas that wanted to be rappers in high school did not make it. I watched them niggas like they were rapping in high school, really putting out freestyles and shit. Like these niggas tripping. I like they could do it. D down, I knew I could rap though. I knew I was gonna do the shit. I just wasn't on no trying to fake do it in high school and shit like that. I was getting my money, but once I got tired of going to jail in and out, certain little shit. You feel me? Shit was dead. Like man, yeah, let me go ahead and do this rap shit. Let me see what's to it because I know I could do it. And it came natural to you, right? Yeah. Now, do you think that was? It's just something innate that you were born with, or is it just from listening to rap throughout your life? Listening to rap, for sure. Hip-hop head. I really studied this shit. I've been doing how to rap, but like when I first started rapping, it wasn't all that. It was like some cool shit. Nigga really had to teach yourself, you know what I'm saying? So talk to me a little bit about your neighborhood. Describe Ailey Houston for someone who's never been there. It depends on what side you're on. Like, if you're on the Beltway side, trench dot, thug dot, Joe dealing crackheads, prostitution. If you're on the Dairy Ashford side, a lot of gang banging, a lot of young turnt niggas on like a lot of gang shit, you know what I'm saying? If you're on the Highway 6 side, cool. Suburb houses, big houses, you know what I'm saying? They older, but like, you know what I'm saying? Two-story houses and shit like that. But like, yeah, 75% of it thug dot. Then like, it's 25% that's cool. That, that, that's on like the Highway 6 side. Then you go back like by West Oaks. Headed towards like the mission being side, you feel me? Like it get way better. Was it difficult for you going from that environment to Fort Bend, back and forth between the suburbs and the hood throughout your early life? Hell yeah. I grew up in Ailey Cool. Then I, then I had moved to Most City, like my sixth grade year, fifth grade year. Like it's weird because we, like Ailey, we thugging, we fighting and shit. Like these niggas really like, then like I move over there, I'm like too thugged out for them. So it was like, right. I ain't, so I ain't really like connect with them like most city niggas, like them Fort Bend niggas like that. You know what I'm saying? I was always too thugged out, like ahead of my time. Then like I come back to A-League, I'm better in sports because I'm in Fort Bend. You know, like, it's mm -hmm. not like, so like, you know what I'm saying? Shit like that. But then like, you know, from like sixth grade on to like almost 11th grade, I've been to A-League. Then I moved to Sugarland. Sugarland different than most city. Sugarland like white, like suburb, like, High school musical type shit. And then, like, I got in hella trouble in, in A Leaf. But when I moved to Fort Bend, it was worse because any little thing I did, they was like more strict. Cause A Leaf wasn't strict right. like that. But I went to more alternative, like, I went to more alternative schools in A Leaf than in Fort Bend. Fort Bend had to lock me in, like, it was something called CAEP. They had to put me in there just for 90 days out of school year because I, I had so many different shit going on with, like, like clicks in Mo City, clicks in A Leaf, mm -hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? So much different beef that they couldn't send me to like MR Wood. Cause even the neighborhood that MR Wood was in, I was beefing with that whole neighborhood that's around the school. Then if I go to the school, I'm beefing with the whole school, you know? Like a lot of chaos, like putting the street nigga in that environment. Hell yeah, you don't get in trouble. At the same time though, I imagine that being forced in those two very different settings prepared you to be the consummate networker that you are. Because I feel like you can talk to and collaborate with a lot of different rappers, no matter where they're from or where, like, what their background is. Is that too? 
I feel like moving, moving to Fort Bend really got me on the fashion shit. Like, really had me like dressing like, cause I went from tall tees, skinny jeans, and shit like in two months, like in a month, just moving out to like that whole little transition though. You feel me? Yeah, I want to talk about your fashion line in a second, but I need to get to your album first. And first off. This album, it feels like a new statement from you. It's bigger, it's more ambitious. It feels to me like you're building an empire more than just a catalog of music with this record. Now, did you approach this album differently than your other projects? Or was it just the, kind of like the same sort of work ethic? Same shit, different day. I came at it with the same shit, but it is like different shit been happening. Like losing my brother, him having, a, having my niece before he left, you know what I'm saying? Taking care of my family, my grandma having the moan. I mean, having COVID, just all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Just played one, just like the whole thing. So the pandemic, all that, it just gave me something new to talk about. Before I spend my life in jail, I'd rather die and burn in hell. Carry by six before I'm judged by 12. Pray at night like Father God is there. Heaven for a G. Jesus Christ could walk on water. I'm a crip walk on the sea. Dodging, drilling, making bills. Ain't fuck with 12 at age 11. Making sales with digi skills. I've been through hell but never heaven. Getting cash was the motive. What a pimp nigga told me. I heard crash from the ocean. What crip niggas from the sea. Yeah, the title Weight of the World is significant too because you haven't shied away from talking about your struggles and how they've affected you personally on previous records. But with this title, and especially the first song, Cripstian, which is one of you know the most personal songs you've ever released, it's really just setting it up like, this is what's going down in my life. And the struggles are a lot more deeper than I previously t let y'all know about. So with Cripstian, talk to me a little bit about that song and, and writing that. Are you a religious man yeah i'm christian so what's your relationship with god like these days i talk to him i don't i, I guess it's praying but i talk to him i feel like he with me you know what i'm saying i don't really begin down on my knees and pray i just close my eyes and talk to him i don't go to church for real like that ain't me i grew up in the church but man fuck that shit to be honest i ain't got time for that like coming in smelling like we being judged by all these hypocrites kiss my ass i know what i got with god you feel me so mm -hmm. I go, but then at the same time, I'm a crip too. And it's like a nigga praise that game banging like a religion. I ain't saying I do that. I'm just saying that's how it be, you feel me? Yeah, the word hypocrisy, especially in the context of religion, it's it's always gonna be relevant because you're always gonna have people who would rather not look at what's really going on and would reject authenticity in favor of keeping up appearances, so to speak. When was the last time that you, you went to church? Shit, last time I went to church, 2010 or something like that, and my little brother beat up an op. In the church? Hell yeah, it was. I was going to our church. That's what I'm telling you, it was most city niggas. Like, I went to church in most city, but I was an A-leaf nigga. So we'd go to church with like, them niggas that talk shit on the gram and shit, and I know that we go to the same church. Well, on Facebook, because I said back in there like 2010, and we was catching ass, beating ass up. Really, my little brother, I was chilling, they was scared of me. They was terrified of me, but they didn't know how my little brother them was rocking. So RP money do. That shit was crazy though. Like, I don't condone that shit. We wasn't raised like that. My mama whoop our ass. You feel me? But it was just like, shit was deep. Like at that time, that's what it was in my life. Like, I had a lot of chaos, a lot of that shit. That's why I'm glad to be where I'm at. And that's why I could speak on this type of shit in my music. Like, my shit was real. It wasn't no like 
yeah, I'm with my brother, bro. You go anywhere, gas station, hear that, this, that, that, you catch one. You feel me? Have you adjusted to stability well? Because your career, you've had troubles with the law, even when your hype was growing. And now, you know, with your with your new deal, you know, the clouds are starting to, to clear up a little bit. So is it is it unusual for you to not have, you know, something possibly career ending hanging over your head? I mean, it's better. But, man, you know, I used to say that like two years ago. I'm like, damn, bro, it's crazy. I ain't got no ops. Or like, damn, we ain't got no ops no more or something like that. Like, I ain't got nothing really going. But that shit just made me like want to go get more money, really, like go grab a bag. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's 2021. All the shit I'm talking about is from 2010. Like turn back at the mm-hmm. same time, like I'm a money get nigga. I want to get these bags. I'm gonna do these endorsements, sponsorships, these acting roles, these movie roles. Like, you feel me? On this album and in your previous projects, I noticed that you use a lot of comparisons to movies. You know, you reference Freddy Krueger and, and Wes Craven a lot. Do you have any favorite movies or favorite directors? John Singleton. I like what he be doing. I like Belly. You know what I'm saying? It's one of my favorite movies. I like The Godfather. Men's Who Society was like more realistic. Boys in the Hood was cool too. But Men's Who Society, you like that gritty gangster shit, you feel me? I like that shit. Um, I like hood movies. They don't really make movies like that no more, you know what I'm saying? But I fuck with it because they don't really like black trauma, you know? A lot of these movies, like, like we be glorifying, like, like we showing black trauma, or like in the movie, somebody gotta die, you feel me? Like, mm-hmm. ain't never just like a happy ending type shit, so you know what I'm saying, shit like that, but I don't lie, I like the ones I can relate to that's motherfucking realistic, you know what I'm saying, like, yeah, they don't really make, like, real black movies like that no more, good ones. Would you ever want to write movies or just act in them? I do both, but it's going to be weird because I don't write music, so it had to be like, I go in and I say the script, think about it, come back, say it again, and then, and then like, I have writers break down, take it and break it down and build on it, you feel me? Yeah, that's how some screenwriters did that in the old days. They would just speak into a tape recorder. We're going to have to bring them into our world because that's like telling Lil Wayne to write a script. Lil Wayne don't write music. Mm. I don't write music. I do voice memos and freestyle, really. Like Christian, I ain't write nothing on that song. Have you ever tried writing your lyrics down? Yeah, like I wrote some on Maximum 87, but I ain't, I don't really be. What's the difference you see? Man, it come out more real. When you write it, it's like you reading off a script. You know what I'm saying? And it sound real computerized. But then with like a nigga freestyling, just kicking that shit, you know what I'm saying? It come off the tongue better. It come off with the right emotion, with the real emotion. One song on the new album that really caught my attention was They Say. And they say Maxo a bitch. They say Maxo a hoe. He got rich and he dipped, don't come around no more. They say he switched on his clip. Yeah, he turned on his bros. And he ain't pimping no bitch. He out here tricking no hoes. He ain't flipping no bricks. He ain't shipping no buds. Slanging Grammys and nicks. But he think he the plug. Like he shooting up shit. Like he really a thug. And he ain't really a crib. He used to be with them bloods. He scream out Hoover Deuce. But he fuck with them 60s. You ain't no schoolboy Q. And you ain't crippin' like Nipsey. He better not come to the block. Don't step a foot in the set. Cause if he do, he get robbed. We strip his jewels off his neck. In previous albums and interviews, you've been very adamant that you do not give a fuck about what people think. And this song lists just about every piece of gossip or criticism or shit talk that anybody could have about you. Why did you feel the need to address that kind of stuff on the record? 
Man, like that break, I'm gonna be honest. It was a joke at first. I was like rapping on the beat, like, and they say Max a bitch. They say Max a hoe. But then I felt something with it. I'm like, all right, I just kept going. Like, you know what I'm saying? And then I just started bringing up little shit. You know mm. what I'm saying? He ain't told no tooties. He ain't dropping no bodies. He ain't popping like Uzi. He ain't icy like Yachty. You know, I'm just rapping. You know what I'm saying? Spitting that shit. I'm like a player hater ass goddamn perspective. I like shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody get hate, but niggas don't hate too much in my face, bro. A lot of that shit could be because niggas scared of me. So I like, well, shit, let me hate on myself in the song. <laughs> you feel me? How did it feel rapping from that perspective? I ain't fuck with it at first. I'm like, man, I ain't putting out this bullshit, that friendly ass. God fuck, like, you feel me? Yeah, like I said, I ain't putting out this bullshit, friendly ass shit. You know what I'm saying? It's old. Cause man, niggas don't play with me like that, but at the same goddamn time, they was like, it's good to show vulnerability, you know what I mean? Did making that song help you perhaps accept that there are people out there who are saying this sort of stuff and, you know, give you a new sort of perspective on what they're saying? No, because I know niggas say that shit. Like I said, I never gave a fuck, but it just, it was a good song. You know what I'm saying? I asked mm -hmm. me, I never gave a fuck what a nigga had to say. When I turned out of 10, if a nigga come say it to my face, they're not going to say it disrespectful. They get their opinion and I respect your opinion. You know what I'm saying? I'm a real life mm -hmm. individual. I respect people that come talk to me, look in my eye like a man for sure. But if you guys been behind my back, you can't say it to my face and my ten toes. I get it. On Worthless, that song is also a standout for me on this project. Life was better back when I took handleballs. Probably better off popping the Tylenol. Only use it for music. My take on go stupid all over the net like a volleyball. Told me stop taking addies, but you ain't my daddy. You asked me that actually ain't bad at all. Record deal off a pill, check my catalog. Every song that I did was off Adderall. By the crib in that hills in that Houston law. Yeah, I made a few hymns for popping them pills. You think I'ma chill, better knock it off. Fuckin' around and start rapping and go back to trap and start rapping and shipping that package off. Michael Vick sell a pit with the fitting off. Before I start taking addies, I start selling addies. You see me your addy? It sort of encapsulates your different relationship with drugs that you've displayed here as opposed to previous albums. It's not to say that it's all positive necessarily, but on this record, you talk about stepping back from some while embracing other substances. You're almost nostalgic here. You know, you're, you, you rap, you know, life was better when I was popping handlebars. But you're also saying, hey, like without these, I don't necessarily have the confidence to make what I'm making. I don't say confidence. I got insecurities, but I ain't worried about that with the rap shit. I just don't want to do it. Like, I just be like, fuck this shit. I've been in the studio, like, if I'm sober, like, all right, Green or Knots with Hit Boy. I freestyled it, but I was sober. I woke up early, drunk some. He got mad Red Bull inside the studio. So I was just chugging mm -hmm. Red Bull rapping. You feel me? That's different. But if I'm just in there by myself, I'm trying to bounce like the Adderall. Like, I mean, shit. That's how I look at it. Don't bash me for taking that shit. And y'all, I'ma say y'all, y'all, y'all take it to past motherfucking finals and past the bar and all kind of shit. Yes, right. I'ma take this shit to make my album. And I'm prescribed it. I stop popping perks, doing all the other shit, talk, stop taking Zans. I slow down on the lean. Well, I don't take lean no more for sure. Around that time I was slowing down on I don't take it no more. I feel like I only take Adderall when I'm in the studio. And shit, it's a good thing. Like, that's how you got Christian. That's how you get big persona. That's how you get a lot of this shit. How does your family feel about, uh, you know, your new drug regimen? Do they feel more positive about it because it's being used for productivity? Hell no. My dad Nigerian, so he feel like everything. He like, oh my God, my son is popping cocaine. My little daddy, like, <laughs> hell no. They don't even fuck with the weed shit. They be like, so down the weed. 
you know, shit like that. Even though I don't smoke, I don't do no drugs or nothing, but around the time making the album, you feel me? I was on my shit, for sure. Was it difficult to write a song like Trips? Not really. I did the second day, like, like the second day after it happened to my brother, so I just had to go in there and do it. I felt like I just had to go get it off my chest. So it was still very raw. Raw than a bitch. My brother should have wore a vest. He should have grabbed a pipe before he chased him out the house. Instead, he fighting for his life and he bleeding out the mouth. Ran up the stairs two flights, then collapsed in front of the house. Slammed the door and woke up Ike, who was sleeping on the couch. But dude was screaming that they shot me, laying in a bloody puddle. Tried to rob me, then they popped me. Nigga got me for my bundles. Ike was screaming like, who did it? Where they at? Just pouring them out. Can't pick them up because he too heavy. So he sat him on the couch. Losing blood could Bradley Breeze, I screamed somebody help. He was in a house with came running up the steps. My brother bleeding on the ground and he ain't even try to help. He grabbed the pounds and then he left. He ain't trying to save my brother. He was trying to save his trying to save Tell me a little bit more about what your brother was like as a person. Um, a stomped down individual, took care of his family, handled his business, a hustler, um, a leader, a brother, a son, a great father. You know what I'm saying? Was the peacemaker. See, me, I used to star shit. Like, to be honest, I was a star shit, bang, set trip, punch niggas down, shoot shit up. I'm just being real. But do a mom do all this shit too, but at the same time, that wasn't him. I ain't gonna say like he wasn't no gangster or nothing, but everybody loved him. Like, niggas would be like, I ain't gonna do that because I fuck with my dude. do a real nigga. But Max, so, woo, You know what I'm saying? He's the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. So, shit. He was the good nigga. I feel like I was the fuck nigga. You feel me? And like that happened to a good nigga. You know what I'm saying? I ain't take nothing back, but you put me in that situation or if like I was there with him, I ain't gonna lie, that's my brother, I love him to death. Like he wouldn't have died. We probably would have both been locked up for murder. I ain't gonna lie to you. Is it something you're still wrestling with, his passing? For shit show, you can't get past nothing like that. There ain't nothing that. You just learn how to grieve differently, you feel me? That's all, there ain't nothing that you just, yeah, I'm fucked up about that. But you know what I'm saying? I look at his daughter, I look at, Motherfucking goddamn my mama, everybody and I was like, you know, I gotta keep putting on. He always told me don't stop this rap shit. I can't go backwards, you know? Mm-hmm. You never could go backwards. You're a new father, right? Yes, sir. Congratulations. Thank you. When you found out that you were gonna be a father, how did that affect your approach to your career? Rap, fashion, whatever? Oh uh, shit. Just to go harder with it. Mm-hmm. Keep applying pressure with it. Yeah, something that I like about this project is that part of what I was saying about the ambition, I think that translates to the collaborators that you've enlisted for it as well. Like you've got Tyler, uh, Rocky, and Gibbs. And I feel like those three really stand out on the record because they're artists who have created their own lanes in rap, similar to you, their own empires. And so seeing you rap next to them highlights how similar your ambitions and your ideas for the industry or your places in the industry are. Right, right, right. In terms of bringing these collaborations together, did you have a list of you know, rappers that you wanted to work with? Did it come more natural? Uh, how, how did it work? To, how did all of them come together for the project? Whatever fitted, I do a song, blah, Rocky sound good on this. But Rocky sent me two songs, so I hopped on it. I do a song, I'd be like, Freddie sound good on this. You know what I'm saying? Just all genuine vibes. I don't ever, like, you know what I'm saying? It is how everything fell together. You know what I'm saying? One of my favorites is the one with Don Tolliver, though. 
he's from A-Leaf too, right? For sure. So I was A-Leaf Texas. Um, did y'all run in the same circles? Um, I was a little bit older. You know what I'm saying? He ran with a, a few other younger niggas. Yeah, bro, no, he could tell you too. He knew the movement. Like, we just been like, my name on the streets, crane click name, moving a hundred deep, going from that to suddenly not being used and overcoming certain obstacles, beating Rico cases and all that shit. Like, you know? You know, no mm -hmm. time no, like, that's what I was saying. You was asking about A-Leaf earlier, you get what you get. Like, Dunn wasn't like no street nigga nothing, but you know, he did his shit, like, his fly shit, his sneaker shit, you feel me? He's mm -hmm. a cool nigga, like, so. Growing up with Travis Scott, what did you notice in him when you were younger that you still see today when he's, you know, on top of the rap game right now? And nigga love music and he loves streetwear fashion, boy. No two things. Like shit, back when I met Travis, he was rapping, but he was like doing a lot of producing shit too. And like that nigga always been like, like he really loved that music. Like back when I was terrorizing the streets, shutting down parties and shit, bro was loving that music shit. So let's talk about your clothing line, Persona. It's launched so far. How have you felt about the lookbooks that you put out so far and the reception that it's gotten? Man, shit, I fuck with it. I feel like the brand's still building. You know what I'm saying? I got some collabs com um, coming and just really pushing to keep my brother legacy alive. Like, that was his dream. This was son of shit. You know what I'm saying? With the clothing, so shit. And talk to me about working with Don C and how that's informed your approach to the clothing line. Man, shout out Don C. You know what I'm saying? Because... He understood my vision. I get his vision with this high fashion streetwear shit. You know what I'm saying? And like, he a legend. Like, even he's still going mm -hmm. crazy now, like assistant Virgil with the NBA Louis collab. You know what I'm saying? Like, having sneakers, like, a lot of people don't give done, see his flowers. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're really a goat and he understands the streets just for him fucking with me on the level he fucking with me on with this shit. Like, it's phenomenal. And plus, we got some more shit coming too. You know what I'm saying? You could be looking for that shit on the rise. What do you think that your line brings to streetwear that streetwear is currently missing? Live-ass shit. Live-ass graphics. You know what I'm saying? Bringing the essence of streetwear back in the streets. I feel like we're moving away from, like, high fashion. Like, don't get me wrong. I love high fashion. I got on Balenciaga right now. You know what I'm saying? With a Joe <laughs> Fresh good hat. That's how I mix up the streetwear with the high fashion. But I feel like streetwear getting cool too. But even like high fashion doing it with the integrating, doing the collabs with the streetwear, like we get like most streetwear, high fashion collabs, that's gonna take off. That's what I'm here for. See that kind of shit, you know what I'm saying? So before we go, I wanted to talk to you about your relationship with Houston and if it's evolved, you know, over the past few years, because you had Hurricane Harvey, devastating storm, and the Black Lives Matter protests, which were, especially resonant in Houston because George Floyd was a Houstonite. So did seeing all of these huge events over the last few years make you appreciate your your hometown or give you a different perspective on it? Um, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Seeing that's come together. Shit like that. But like to be honest, Houston, I'm I'm bro, niggas get on here with the cap. Houston really sectional. Like you a Southwest A leave nigga, you focus Southwest A leave niggas. You know what I'm saying? If you like a Scott Black nigga, you fuck with Scott Black Third War, you fuck with Third War type shit. Like, everybody fuck around, but it's like we different sections and shit. But see us all come together, like, it was cool. You know what I'm saying? Was it only temporary? Nah, I mean, as far as like, you know what I'm saying? They're going against the police. This forever fucked the laws. You see another brother in trouble with the laws, yeah. You got to separate Black Lives Matter for what's going on in the streets. You know what I'm saying? 
Ops, ops. Cops is cops. You know what I'm saying? It's mm. a contradiction. Just like Christian. That, that's a, a contradiction in itself. You know what I'm saying? But shit, that's life that we live, though. There's nothing wrong with contradictions. It's what makes us human. Right? Contradictions and vices. So just to round it out, what's your five-year plan? Where do you see yourself in five years? Acting. Persona, like a chain of persona stores everywhere. Dropping this music shit, going harder with this music shit. My art is flourishing, you know. Blessings. Big and more blessings, you know what I'm saying? Maxo Cream, thank you for joining us. Yep. Take care. For sure. That was Maxo Cream talking to the faders Jordan Darville. Maxo Cream's new album, Weight of the World, is out now via RCA. Our engineer is Tony D'Ambroni, and our associate producer is Salvatore Mackey. We'd like to thank Lauten Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. Remember to follow the Fader interview wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Fader interview. Goodbye until then.